friends, and welcome once again to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. My name is Steve McDonough. I see we're still doing that. <laughs> I like to have that kind of used car salesman ramp up of my name there. Well, I know. One week you're not going to do it because I've teased you, and then I'm going to be sad. So I'm going to do it very it dramatic. My name is Hans Rufert. Uh, oh, and you're going to be, what? who is this? Uh, if you are just joining us, uh, our podcast features each week a specific food or ingredient, and then we trek through its frozen backstory, scooping up the choicest facts, and then serving them up in a freshly pressed waffle cone. And our topic this week is, of course, gelato. But wait, there's more. Joining us today what? is our what? dear friend and fellow chefy nerd guy, Michael Thomas. Michael Do Thomas, what? Buongiorno, amici. Michael Thomas straight is from a Italy. Uh, straight, you know, from straight from Italy. Straight from Italy. Yeah, he's zooming from uh, from the coasts of uh, Sicily. Uh, Michael is a longtime friend. I was going to say an old friend, but uh, some people don't like to be called old. Oh, it's uh, old. It is. It is getting old. Uh, <laughs> But Michael, if you uh, if you were lucky enough to tune in to the next Food Network Star season one, Michael was one of our uh, co-conspirators, co-contestants, uh, and and honestly, one of the one of the rare gems that we uh, that we uncovered there in the green room uh, during the taping of that. We all became really good friends over that. But Michael is one that uh, there's we've always got a good Michael Thomas story. Some we can we can share. Some we probably shouldn't. Uh, he stopped everything for an ode to butter. He picked up butter and said, oh, butter, why are uh, you so delicious? And, it's and still then delicious. Paula Dean stole your stuff. She stole <laughs> your butter shtick. Your, your, your shtick of butter, I like that. <laughs> um, no, that's, uh, so Michael is, uh, like I said, I, so many great things came out of that show, Michael being really one of, uh, one of the great ones. And uh, we have done a lot of food uh, adventures and journeys together, uh, but, Kind of anecdotally, I want to share a little aside. So before all of my health drama happened, uh, and I've, if you haven't heard, I've had a little bit of health drama. Uh, Michael Thomas had a really inspiring story when we uh, first met uh, that kind of helped me get through my medical drama. So, Michael, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you if you would please give us the Cliff Notes version of, uh, of your near-death experiences. <laughs> Nothing like starting out a bubbly, oh, yeah. fun food show with uh, life and death well, struggles and tumors. Oh, keep it, keep tumors. It oh mm, tumors. Delicious light, <laughs> light gelatos and crunchy tumors. Um, I uh, was living a perfectly normal life just out of college and uh, started having some you know, weird dreaming things and some just weird health stuff. Went, got a bunch of, uh, at that point, uh, new thing, MRIs, ended up had a brain tumor. And at a young age, being faced through mortality is is uh, it really puts things into perspective. So I did everything that everyone seems to do in a movie, and just basically took off, traveled my twenties, did a bunch of visualization and breathing techniques and stuff that all you always hear about, and um, ended up beating uh, the tumor. And uh, but in the process, ended up going to at that point, I think about eighty countries all around the world, uh, cooking in, in kitchens. I got very into food, was on a yacht for a long time and just did uh, an extraordinary uh, amount of things that I probably never would have done. And, and quite honestly, with the, the tumor in, in the rear view, it's kind of the most important thing that happened in my life. And it was pretty, the end result was amazing. The rest of it was a little scary, but uh, it, it ended up making a huge impact. And I don't think I would have been into food as much as I as I am without it. So thanks, brain tumor. <laughs> Did the tumor 
did the, did the tumor affect your taste buds or anything? No, it's a fantastic question. Um, no, Thank you. no, luckily. <laughs> An amazing, Steve, your questions are amazing. <laughs> um, uh, no, luckily, no, no. But it did, it, what it did is it enhanced the appreciation. It really forces you, for me, it forced me to be objective about the world because little problems no longer mattered in those, you know, so it was, everything was fresh. I tried to get all the freshness out of everything and yeah. try to get the, see the, the brightest uh, parts of, of stuff. And, and it was a real, uh, that perspective was a real gift, quite honestly. Well, and that was a, to perpetuate that, you know. That was a giant gift to me. And, and you had said something in that green room that that tumor became your, instead of using it as an excuse to not do things, it became your excuse to do things because it absolutely was a paradigm shift. And you thought, you know what? I don't know how much time I have left. I don't know how much health I have left. I'm going to say yes to everything. And honestly, I have adopted, I have uh, stolen that motto and it has gotten me all over the world as well. And I, I genuinely try to eat like there's no tomorrow uh, and use my cancer as rather than an excuse to not do things, it is my excuse to do things. And that I'm going to uh, credit you for that, uh, that optimism and that way of looking at that, uh, at a negative thing. Uh, and we can talk about this all day long. So we're yeah. not. So we are talking about gelato today, and there's a very specific reason why, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a bit because uh, our friend Michael Thomas was not chosen randomly for this topic. Um, but as usual, I, I typically like to, to start with sort of the history and the nerdy stuff. So let me do a little bit of that before uh, handing the cone over uh, to, to Miguelito. Uh, so I, I started doing, as with any of these topics, it's we do our research, we do our homework. And, you know, this is a dumb thing to even admit, but I'm going to admit it. When I first started going down this rabbit hole, I was really thinking kind of more modern. I was thinking, that, you know, frozen desserts, there has to be refrigeration involved in this. So, I mean, of course, I know it snows in places. I try to avoid those <laughs> places. Um, but, you know, it, it just didn't even dawn on me that this stuff goes so, you know, so far back. And it, uh, there's even evidence that going all the way back to, you know, 200 BC, the Chinese were making frozen desserts from a combination of milk and cooked rice with different spices that they combined with snow. I mean, that is that is a resource that in those uh, those areas you have kind of literally lying around. You, you try to avoid the yellow uh, patches of snow, <laughs> I've heard. Unless it's they a found, lemon sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> they found one of um, uh, the very first Snoopy snow cone maker in along with all of those uh, warriors. Those, the terracotta those warriors. warriors. Yeah, yeah, in there. Yeah, he was. He had a little cart he was trying to sell to them on break. You know, like, <laughs> hey, guys, I know you're, you look sweaty. Um, I was going to attempt an accent there. I don't know where I was going to go with That's that. That's good. But, That's best not to. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so, but we're moving forward from the, the Chinese a few centuries. Uh, we start seeing uh, different kind of flavored ices popping up in uh, in kind of Rome and, and Italy. And they were very popular with Roman nobility in the fourth century. And the emperor Nero is known for a lot of things, but he's also known to have imported snow from the mountains. And then he particularly liked it topped with fruit juices and honey. And uh, when I say imported, really, it was he ordered people. It's not like he, you know, went on Grubhub or uh, even Amazon. He, uh, being the emperor, he had some, some sway when it comes to, uh, you know, his requests. Uh, but zooming in on gelato, from my research, it looks like the origins of gelato go back about 12,000 years to Mesopotamia. 
uh, where, again, slaves were employed uh, to travel up to 100 miles to collect ice and snow that were used to cool drinks and serve during royal banquets and religious ceremonies. And during the 11th century, the Arabs developed something called sherb. Um, sherb. I love any, any word that doesn't have any vowels, you know, sherb, S-H-R-B. Uh, which was essentially a, a sugar syrup, right? And it was used as sort of a base for making these early versions of fruit sorbets. Uh, and they would use uh, kind of medical herbs, different spices, flowers. And sherb became very popular in Sicily. <laughs> herb. Sherb. I, I just herb. love you saying sherb. Oh, we can just sherb. stop now. We can sherb. Just stop. sherb is delicious. I, and there's no <laughs> vowels. I sherb. love it. Sure, can, sure. I, can I buy a vowel? No, you cannot afford a vowel. They're too expensive. You're going to have to yeah. make do with three, four letters, sherb. Uh, anyway, it's uh, super popular in Sicily when Sicily was under Arab rule. And the Arabs grew as many as uh, 400 different types of flowers to flavor there. Oh. You say it. Say it with me. Sherb. Uh, so um, uh, with with that little teaser, I'm going to I'm going to pass the cone, as I said, over to Michael. Let's let's talk about kind of if you wouldn't mind, let's define what what is the difference between a sorbet, a gelato, a sorbet, uh, um, you know, all of these things. They're, they're kind of in the same family tree. Yeah. Yeah, they're very, very. It's it's I've I've learned so much about gelatos and ice creams and there is, it really comes down to it's the d definitions are kind of semi-defined, but there's some classic ways to, uh, to kind of differentiate between all of these. And it comes down to mostly butterfat content, the use of eggs or not, and also the amount of sugar. The gelato is four to eight percent fat and uh, ice cream is <laughs> about three times that. It has a significantly more uh, fat content than gelato does. And then like a, a sorbet has no fat because it's, it generally just has sugar and water and fruit juices or uh, there's a variety of different things that can go inside there. Um, and then there's semifredo, which is kind of like what a tiramisu yeah. is yeah. before it's, you know, and then it's frozen, which is kind of like a, you know, there's there's so many things that go into it. It's it's really kind of a blurry world. Semifredo is kind of a, is it more custardy? Exactly. Okay. And, you know, yeah. and you can have cheeses in there and there's a lot more eggs. But basically, as is defined now, uh, gelato has less butterfat, but that also gives it a, a completely different uh, consistency. The consistency of, of ice cream and gelato is gelato is kind of, it's got this uh, almost a gooier kind of yeah. smoother yeah. texture. And ice a cream. Silkiness. Yeah, it's a silkiness, which I love so much. And I love ice cream. It's a different thing. They've got a lot more air. In ice cream, it's it's, mm -hmm. it's it's really creamy. It's heavy on the cream, and uh, and it's it's pretty decadent. Gelato can be uh, it's a it's just to me it's a textural difference. Yeah, because uh, the flavors in the end are pretty much the same. And uh, sorbets are got that little slickery, wonderful delight as well. Uh, all of the frozen <laughs> all the frozen desserts I find <laughs> just wonderful. Uh, but I've really become a gelatophile. Quite honestly, I I remember the first time I had it. It was we were on a, a pier in in Santa Cruz. And a friend said, you got to try gelato. And I'm like, what's gelato? He's like, ice cream, but better. And I'm like, oh, my friend. <laughs> better than ice cream? I don't think so. It's like saying there's something better than French fries or pizza. And it was just in a tiny little cup with a little spade, those adorable plastic spades. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, it felt so wildly different than ice cream does. Uh, I know when we were in Paris, they sell uh, they sell a lot of gelato, right? Uh, a lot of places. But in particular, I think it's called Amarino. Do you know that company? 
Yes. Yeah. It's got kind of that cherub. Yeah. Now they've come into the States now too, but I think they're struggling in the States. And I was thinking that when we were in Paris last, we would get gelato like every night. And it's interesting what you're saying about having lower fat content. So maybe you can, you know, have a little more of the gelato, but the way they take the paddle, and you can probably speak to this, the way they make the roses, especially at the Amarino, yeah. they kind of put a cone, a little kind of cone shape in the center, and then they paddle the gelato up along the side of the cone. So there's kind of four uh, paddles along the cone, if you can picture that, and then another four on the outside to make these petals. And when they opened in Chicago, They've closed, and I realized that it's probably my fault too because <laughs> we never went. Because there's something about that experience being in Paris, uh, you kind of don't want to replicate it when you're just, you know, shopping downtown Chicago. You know, you want to keep it special. That's the tough part about those amazing experiential, because so much of taste, right? So much of these food experiences we have are where it happens, when it happens, who you're with, you know. Uh, that time of life, it really just, for, for me, and I, and I know Hans and I have talked about this so much, is when you have something, a food, some special place, some special time, it, it, it just imparts with it just an experiential significance that is beyond just the taste and the, the texture. Um, like going to, you know, having, say, gelato in Italy versus, or, or France, where it's so wildly popular, uh, and having it here, it's, 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 it could be just as delicious, the exact same ingredients, right. the exact same texture. It's just something about having, you know, walking in some cobblestone yeah. mountaintop town somewhere in Tuscany, uh, you know, looking at these perfect clouds and hearing just the, the jangle, jingle jangle of the Italian uh, you know, plaza, uh, piazza experience. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, and I, before I forget, I, I think it's, it's um, just going back a little bit to the history of of gelato, which is so exciting because, you know, there's all this, this crazy timeline. It could have been from, you know, 3000 BC, uh, China. It could have been from when Marco Polo brought it over in, you know, the seventh century, but there's many stories and so many of these stories are, can be embellished so many stories, but kind of ubiquitously, everyone thinks that there's a gentleman named Bernardo, uh, Talenti, who was part of the Medici court, the Medici, Medici family in the 15th century. Uh, 1500s, they, for 200 years, this family ruled Italy, which ruled the entire region. And they were this decadent. They, they, they ran politics, they ran, uh, they ran the church, they ran everything, but they were the really fostered art and culture. They sponsored like Michelangelo and, and Leonardo da Vinci, all of these amazing artists and, and architects. And this guy, Bernardo Buontalenti, uh, was this multi, it's like you, Hans. He has, he has like 400 different jobs. He's amazing at, at so many things. And he was this famous architect and he, and he studied sculpture under Michelangelo. And he would throw these lavish parties. He would design entire party spaces. This is where, Steve, this is right in, right in your zone. <laughs> these amazing party space and then the costumes to go with the party spaces. So you create these amazing events uh, and, and theatrical design it's science, military design. The guy was just, he was like Leonardo da Vinci of the good times. So apparently there's the Spanish delegation that's going to come and visit the Medici family. And they really want to impress them. So they bring in Buontalenti, good talent in, in Italian. And, uh, and he designs an entire event, a room, costumes, and just an alark because he happens to be the premier 
refrigeration scientist of Florence in these ice caves underneath the city. He's like, hey, why don't we make this delicious frozen dessert? You know, I've heard about it. Why don't we make something nice? And so he makes up just on a lark. What we now basically is the recipe for, for basically ice cream now. Eggs, milk and cream, and then threw some stuff in. He threw in some citrus, bergamot, lime, orange, lemon that Italy's so famous for. And, uh, and here's your, here's it comes, Steve. Booze. Yes, he put in there like a go. marsala or some kind of sweet wine. And that's the original, what people, people attribute, the original gelato, which, be, you know, ironically, gelato generally doesn't have eggs in it. So the original gelato had eggs in it. And now ice cream has eggs traditionally, but gelato doesn't. But the original is, is that. It's a real simple recipe. It's, I've had it. It's spectacularly delicious. It's very much like tiramisu in a way. Yeah. Um, and they've got, um, they, you, you had mentioned something about they, they're also required to keep up with uh, like, like the DOG, DOCG. And the Italians are very specific. They're, they're very, which I really like because it's almost like the idea of it is, is to ensure consistency, ensure quality, ensure the most delicious things. The Parmigiano-Reggiano has to come from the region. It has to have, be done in this very specific way. Um, the DOGC, DOCG has to have, the Chianti has to be done exactly the same way. And it's very much like the French and the Italians. They have so much overlap in that where it's all about, you want to call it this, you want to call it champagne, it has to come from the champagne region, it has to be done method champenois. And uh, uh, because there's such a, uh, there's such a similar, you know, the Piedmont, uh, which I love so much, which is so famous for its hazelnut and its hazelnut gelato, by the way, used to be France and Provence used to be Italy. There's so much overlap of those two countries and this, this magnificent kind of celebration of food, like nobody, nobody else in the world, I think, just is so proud of their food, like the Italians and the French, and so on, quite honestly, good at it. But uh, uh, yeah, they're really serious about it. When I second to get gelato, I had to, I had to take classes. There I, you they're go. so yeah. serious about you has to be an exact ratio. If you want to call it gelato, if you want to make the gelato, and the science is, is right, but sugar to to fat to water to temperature, you need to have you know a proper churner churn chilling and then you have to put it into a blast freezer like negative 40 degrees uh to, to to make sure the ice crystals stay super small and there's a real science to it and they're very wildly proud of it uh in a way that america we we're all about kind of breaking the rules it's, we have so much innovation here but as far as the traditionalists uh the italians are just they're amazing and they're kind of rigid and they get i've gotten really snubbed when i go to italy we were in the we were in torino at a film festival and 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 we're like, oh my God, this hazelnut is everywhere because that's where like Frere Rocher comes from and all that chocolate hazelnut tradition is right there in the Piedmont. And so we'd go and they have this liquid, basically liquid Nutella. And yeah. you take that, but that's at one shop. And then you have an espresso, an affogato, you can have uh, espresso over like a gelato. Yeah. But we're like, what would we do? What would happen if we had a gelato, this amazing liquid Nutella and a shot of espresso. So we had to go to th three different shops. We put it together and we pour them all over together and create this mag. I mean, it was so incredible, but you have never seen more outraged. The Italians coming by like, oh, <laughs> oh, the looks on their faces like, oh, it's as if we're like urinating in public or something. It was, <laughs> they were so outraged, like the Americans, oh, the Americans. It is not a simple uh, gelato alamon. 
Gelato no. Alamon. Do you know who that is? Gelato Alamon. Gelato Alamon. You guys know who that is? No, I don't. No. But I love you. Don't? Well, it? then it's time for oh, no. Natalie. <laughs> Stop the straight game. I like, love it that I get to be the straight guy. Yes, you do. You oh, because I'm not normally. I'm usually. You know, I usually <laughs> toe that line all by myself. It's stump the straight guys this time. Stump the straight guys. Okay. All right. We so there's the this burn. Italian singer. He's a pianist as well. He's got this kind of gravelly voice. Uh, he sings Italian fusion and jazz. In his third album in the 19, late 1970s, uh, he sang Gelato Alamon, Gelato Alamon. No? He sings Happy Feet, da da da, Happy Feet. Da, Is it Gelato sings, uh, for the World? Is that no, what No, Alamon. That's my, that's my, don't mock my Italian. Oh, no, lemon, no, gelato. lemon Gelato. gelato. Oh, oh, lemon Gelato. The palate cleanser. It's wonderful, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. Good luck, my baby. Chips, chips. You don't know who this guy is. You all need to know who he is. All right. Any guesses? Oh, my God. I, I can't wait to find out. All I can say is like, Marcel Marceau? Oh, yes. he was. Yes, he was a great singer. He was Wasn't a he a mime? Singer. He, he was a mime. mime. He was yeah, a yeah. mime. That was Known my joke. Stump you, that was my joke. That was my mime joke. All right, go to our website. Tell us who this really terrific singer is and download some of his music. And he's he's super cool. And have a little uh, gelato a la mon while you do that. Last week's uh, Stump the Straight Guy was Lost by Hans. It was a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta where the lead, Frederick, um, found out that he was going to have to continue his indentured servitude because uh, he was born on leap year and he was not, in fact, oh. 21. It was going to be another 33 oh. years that he would be one of the pirates of Penzance. Uh, did you know that one? loophole. Very clever, by the did way. You, no, did I... you know that one, Michael? From those hints, would you have guessed the pirates of Penzance just out of curiosity? <laughs> No, again, musical theater is not my strong suit. If it's not Monty, if it's Monty Python, I can tell you every single little detail. But um, uh, traditional uh, modern uh, musical theater is is unfortunately not my strong suit. Now you're selling gelato, right? I Are you? well, yeah, technically. What's the deal? All right, let's go. Yeah, gelato out, out of your backyard. What's happening? <laughs> gelato is nice because it's it's so varied. I have a, a little boy, he's three years old, and he refuses to eat vegetables. So these last few years, I've had to get very creative, try to get him, you know, healthy and nutritive foods. Uh, and if he sees a vegetable, he just won't eat it. It's very common. Um, and we're a vegetable-loving family, so he'll, I'm sure, grow into it. But right now, it's been kind of a, it's been a real adventure trying to get him to eat vegetables. So I started out making, I was sneaking it in classic style, mincing and pureeing and uh, yeah, yeah. whatever. And so it finally came, I started making these pizza dough made of vegetables, and then I started making pasta, this macaroni and cheese out of vegetables. And then I was like, what does everyone love? What a kid, what, let's meet kids halfway. What do they really love? They want American kids, they're obsessed with mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, pizza, ice cream. And so I'm like, could we make ice cream out of vegetables? Is that a, is it possible? So I, being a weirdo scientist and food lover, I um, started doing, I got a professional ice cream machine. It's a gigantic thing, took up half the kitchen and uh, started doing some experiments. And now I, I have, I just started a, a company in Venice. Of course, it's Venice Beach, California. Um, it is a <laughs> vegetable gelato. All The base is made entirely of vegetables and it just happens to be dairy-free, vegan, gluten-free, all of the freeze that, that everyone's kind of very focused on nowadays. 
dive wise. Oh my God. You are going to own the world. <laughs> come on. Come on. Tell us more about this. <laughs> Selling vegan vegetable gelato in Venice Beach. Oh, they're going to rename California just Michael Thomas land. Come on. It is so, it's so on the nose. I mean, it's <laughs> even to make it even the most Venice Beach thing in the world. I have, we built a solar powered electric vegetable ice cream truck. That is the most adorable thing you've ever seen. It's all rainbows. Everything's all rainbow. It's the color of the ingredients and kind of this old lifesaver colors rainbow thing. It's super adorable. It's it's generally a, a clown car. People in the neighborhood are all like, "Oh, there goes the clown guy!" And it's we'll got- have to put uh, we'll have to put photos up because it looks like if uh, if the guys from Tron played golf. <laughs> Uh, this would be Tron's golf cart uh, on their way to the circus. It, it's a really sharp-looking, sharp-looking little ride there. It's ludicrous. There's a little Betty, the Veggie Yeti, bouncing around. This this mascot on the back on springs. It's just so. And there's a a a speaker that there's a. I found this very interesting subculture of people who do take modern songs and turn them into kind of that classic music box um, ice cream truck sound. Like bling, right, bling, right. Bling, 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 bling. Well, because you're you're not supposed to play turkey in the straw anymore. Yes, exactly. Well, there's no, a lot seriously, of, yeah. turkey in the straw is uh, a slave song. Or, oh, really? I, I'm, I'm, yes, there is there there are ties to slavery with turkey in the straw, and I don't know all of the details. I'm sure our listeners do. I don't accept that there is a uh, there's a is it a rapper, Michael? Do you know this story? A rapper or somebody has created a new ice cream truck song. Oh, no, but that's fantastic. Thank you for that, Steve. That's I'll, I will seek it out. I love it. Okay, do you know, actually, it is uh, from the Wu-Tang Clang, uh, RZA. He came up with a new jingle that replaces Turkey in the Straw because it's got a racist past. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to find a link to that and put that on the on the website, too. But yeah, this modern music replacing Turkey in the Straw is, is a thing. I love it. Leave it to the Wu-Tang, the, one of the weirdest groups of of amazing well, musicians you're going to be the next uh, the next superstar weird, when it comes to ice stuff. cream jingles that's your <laughs> challenge so now is the name of the company vegelato or is that what you're calling the product because you had well, mentioned that name to me a long time ago i thought that was a brilliant title vegelato yeah veggie gelato vegelato it actually there was no term like so many of there's so many amazing frozen desserts out there you know people are doing coconut milk and, and, and oat and rice and soy mm. and almond. And, and it's really fantastic for people who have dietary restrictions. The world is just opened up and whoever's, you know, for the vegan people, like quite honestly, I don't want to eat anything with a face, but uh, for vegan, vegan food, it's, it's been it's an extraordinary revolution now. Cause it's, it used to be just Indian food and then a bunch of interesting um, other things. And now it's just, it, there's so much delicious, so much cre- the creativity that has gone into a vegetarian and vegan uh, food by chefs and and curious food people. It's really it's an amazing time uh, now, and and vegetables have gotten so good. All the heirloom vegetables that's come back, and so we, uh, <laughs> I I said you can't have frozen confectionery dessert. <laughs> it just it's just a mouthful. So I created this term vegelato trademarked. I just got my uh, the 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 patent office just sent me an email just this morning that my trademark. Get out! So back off, people! Back off! Back off! Don't you touch it! No, no. My idea is to uh, actually license it to schools. My the dream is to have because you know American kids. Some kids will go their entire childhood without having a proper vegetable, and so I'm trying to meet them halfway. You know, uh, and and get them in you know get vegetables in in a way that where they're excited about it, and it's been pretty amazing this the vegelato we, we call it super chill because we're trying to make it you know it's just 
you can't, you don't want to say vegetable. You don't want to scare off the kids. <laughs> but we've had, you know, just Did you call it of... that because shrub was already taken? <laughs> sure, exactly. It's so much like, because the super shrub. is S-U-P-R. There's oh, no I e, just noticed so... that. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed that. You could only afford the one vowel. You could yeah. only afford the U. The U was, you found it at a thrift store. The E was out of your reach. So you went for super, super. Exactly. Well, you can't, oh, you know, it's it's all about, you know, whatever, you know, marketing and brand recognition. You can't get the word supers, obviously, everywhere. You can't get a hold of that one. But super, S-U-P-R, uh, no one's using it because it's silly. And plus, <laughs> I mean, next, it's going to be super sherb. Super sherb yes, is the next sure. product. Yeah, sure. totally, totally. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you guys a, a, a little quiz because we're talking about uh, Del Kant's loves, Michael. I don't know if you've listened to the little podcast we do because there's only two people that do. <laughs> Um, and they took the I week off. <laughs> so Hans, when I do a quiz, he just loves it. So there is, you're talking about vegetable flavors of gelato. And I was finding some really strange ones online based on the color blue. Because it's unusual. There's not a lot of blue food. The rarest right? color in nature. Correct. So here are some. Uh, one of these is a real gelato flavor. And you, bo you boys can play together. Ready? Is it A, blue garden, which is a blend of blue potato and blue cauliflower? Is it B, blue fingers, which is a blue, uh, do you know the dead man's fingers? It's like this sausage-like yeah. lychee type of fruit, mm -hmm. blue fingers. Is it blue taco, a blend of blue corn and blue fish, gelato? Oh. Or is it made from blue lobster, the blue crustacean, the blue lobster? Or lastly, could it be blue pill? made from Viagra. <laughs> I have that in the shop. You'll love it. <laughs> you guys confer. So we're looking for the one that is an actual the flavor. Actual, the actual one, yes. Uh, the I one that really they... excites me is blue lobster. Yeah, uh, but aren't sounds... those like crazy rare? I think that's one of those things like there's one or a, one or a bajillion. Uh, there's not that many. Uh, yeah, and I think it's many during a molt. I think it's when yeah. you're in between yeah. shells and you have to catch them. Uh, and plus, once you uh, once you heat them up, they're going to turn red anyway. I'm gonna exactly. I'm gonna go for the. Although I would love a blue corn tortilla with bluefish in it. Me too. Uh, when it comes, I'm gonna go for the one with the potato and cauliflower because that sounds like a doable uh, a doable mix there. I am gonna join you on that one. I was excited about the taco and the lobster, but uh, I think that sounds like the most weird yet uh, also delicious. Michael Thomas of Super Chill uh, Veggie Gelatos. You may use any of these because the real one is. The Viagra. Oh Gelato. my God! That's there fantastic. is a place in Rome making Viagra gelato. Now it's not actually made with Viagra. It's made with uh, African herbs that give you the same aphrodisiac effects yes. as the prescription. Apparently, it tastes like bubble gum, and it is about thirty-three dollars a scoop. Whoa! But worth it. You know, you got a big date, um, big night touring the Colosseum, and <laughs> yep. I just got to finish my ice cream. I just got to just <laughs> finish my ice cream. <laughs> One more scoop. One more scoop. Sir, that's three scoops. It's quite enough. <laughs> well, hopefully afterwards, the leaning tower is not leaning quite so much after that gelato. Oh, Hi, everyone. It's Steve. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's the next day, and I needed to come back and say that at this point, I cannot believe none of us thought to say, hey, this gelato is giving me a semi-fredo, because that joke would have killed. Management regrets the omission. Back to your podcast. You mean that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, hey, but speaking of flavors, get, what what kind of flavors are you doing when you're in your super chill uh, truck? I mean, is it are ubiquitous kind of normal flavors, or are you throwing some weirdos out there? 
Yeah, well, you know, it's it's the base is is all root vegetables, um, and, and they have a as neutral a flavor as, as I could find, and a neutral color. It's really hard part is finding. I have to find these kind of whitish uh, foods because it, not every flavor can cover the color. You know, so we've got basically the most popular chocolate vanilla strawberry, the classics. Uh, the chocolate actually has kale, uh, collard greens, maca. It's got a lot of things that could be hidden by the, the darkness of the chocolate. Um, strawberries, the most popular. You've got a breakfast ice cream, which has got a cup of coffee and a vegan cinnamon roll in it, and you eat the entire pint. What, in one, uh, in one go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's all vegetables and the oil. It's got uh, avocado oil in it because you don't want to even even though these are carbohydrates, you know, they will eventually become sugars and break down. You don't want to carbohydrate spike. So you have to have a fat to kind of slowly bring, you know, all of the carbohydrates and, and sugars into your system. But, yeah, it's it's a full, uh, you know, my buddy who's a, who's a lawyer <laughs> always says, don't make claims about anything. But you could quite literally be pretty healthy if you only if you ate only this ice cream c-r-e-m-e um the, uh, the s-u-p-r-c-r-e-m-e what <laughs> super sure yeah it's so you, it turns out that the vowels are actually the part that's unhealthy if you just remove the vowels <laughs> from any food they automatically become a superfood yeah, don't go, yes. don't go to Hawaii. Don't go to Hawaii. Well, very dangerous. Go yeah. to Eastern Europe, you know, yeah. and then one of the stands. Well, here's an easy way to remember it is that too many vowels, uh, the too loose the bowels. The, oh. the, more, the more the vowels, the looser the bowels. <laughs> oh, we got another T-shirt for our website. All right, my turn to talk a little bit about uh, about a little gelato. So we had this gelato disaster in um, there is a, a big fest, street festival in Chicago called Market Days. It's two day annual festival and it happens down Halstead, which is kind of what they call Boys Town in Chicago. Three hundred thousand people come here. Whoa. And there's, yeah, it's insane. There's big you know big name bands come here. Everybody's got their their uh, food. Um, you know, tents lined up. And in front of our restaurant, we would have a food tent where we were selling uh, lobster rolls, shrimp rolls, burgers. And we would sell thousands of burgers. We would sell hundreds of pounds of lobster meat in these lobster rolls. And one year, I thought, I want to sell gelato because it's so hot. It's in August. It's super hot. And so I thought, you know, 300,000 people, I'll get 1,200. That doesn't seem like really that many. I, You know, if I sell one to every, you know, two to 300 people, that's, you know, I can, I can do this. So we ordered 1,200 gelato and it poured. It poured like nobody's business. There was these major winds whipping through. People's tents were oh, literally man. picking up and flipping over and going down the down the street. It's the windy uh, city. Were, yes, that's true. <laughs> people were running and screaming. So it's all of these guys. It's generally many, many gay men who are basically just wearing like very small shorts and uh, looking really buff who are running, screaming. And I'm like, what are you going to get wet? You're not wearing that. Yeah, exactly. You're, You're going to get a nice suit. little spritz. Yeah. We never knew we had so many friends because people were running underneath our tent. So we had these 1,200 mini gelatos, and we sold two. Whoa, no, come on. Two. <laughs> we sold two. 
So I don't even know a percentage. Is that even a percentage? Can you make a percentage? It isn't, it isn't even a number. It isn't even a number. We had to call the gelato place. I'm like, oh, hey, it's Steve from Hardy Boys. Any chance that you guys would take some of it? Don't you dare ask me to take the gelato back, my friend. Do I have to come back to gelato? So we had our gourmet takeaway at that point, and people would come in and, it, you know, they'd get like a pound of, you know, pork and mashed potatoes and i'd be like and gelato's only 50 cents yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, free with purchase hey do you have a car you get for gelato we can't give away this gelato and so it's turning up on every at every party that we're doing uh, if we're doing a corporate event if they've got a freezer i'm like oh they're having gelato for dessert i'll tell you what yeah. so we're doing this dinner party um we used to do a, 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 a some really nice dinner parties for uh the Dean of Northwestern. And when people came in to speak, we'd do these. And it was, it was when we had first started. So Dan would be smarty pants dinners. They were smarty pants dinners. Yes. And Dan would cook the food and I would serve the food. And then Dan would come out and tell you what every course is. But I was talking about the desserts and of course, whatever it was he was doing, you know, like vanilla roasted peach, whatever. And it was served with different types of gelato. So I said, we have different flavors of gelati, which is the oh. plural. Yeah, nicely done. So I said, you know, we've got chocolate, you know, hazelnut, strawberry, lemon, uh, gelati. And this guy looks at me and he says, do you? Do you have gelati? I'm like, yeah, we've got four different types. And I repeated him again. He's smirking at me and he looks at his friend. And he says, he's got gelati. And I'm like, you bastard. You think I don't know how to say gelato. You think that I can't say gelato and you're going to smirk at this table of 12 and just look at everybody. And I, I, and I didn't say anything. I ate it. You know what I mean? Because I was, I was the, you ate, you the know, gelati. I ate the gelati. I ate my anger and it's, I'm still 20 years later, still pissed off at this guy who does not know that I was correct, that the plural is gelati. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that guy heard this podcast and he I hope was he like, does. you know what? I was wrong. Yes, that's what I want. Yeah. With that, let's get to some recipes. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. Okay, so Hans, I'm taking away your, uh, your privilege of giving us a food recipe today and giving it to our guest, Michael Thomas. Would you like to talk to us about some gelato food? Thank you very much, Hans. That was incredibly generous and, and, <laughs> and big credit. You're a fantastic human being. You know, the beauty of, of, of gelato and ice cream and all the frozen treats is you can basically freeze anything with cream or milk, or milk and cream, sugar, and it's going to be delicious. You can put anything in there, any flavors you like, uh, and it's going to just be decadent. The key that comes down to it is the kind of, quote, I'll say technology. You just need to keep it really cold and you need to keep it moving because what gives you that amazing mouthfeel is small ice crystals. It's all about small ice crystals. Uh, that's what makes it taste creamy and decadent and satisfying. Otherwise, it's icy and it's kind of crunchy and it can be grainy. Um, and the key to doing that is moving, keeping the whatever you're, you're chilling, your ice cream, your gelato, moving while it's freezing. <clears throat> and so you can have fancy ice cream makers, which basically are just a, a refrigerator, and then a churner that just moves, moves it around as it, as it gets to a freezing point. But if you don't have one of those, which is a lot of people, and they're actually shockingly inexpensive nowadays, but uh, you can do it at home with two bowls, like two, one smaller than the other. You fill the bowl with ice, classic ice and salt. And uh, when you put ice and salt together, it actually makes ice, it makes it much colder than just ice. 
it, it's incredibly cold. And uh, basically gonna put in some milk, some cream and some sugar. And let's just say some vanilla. Let's do a classic. And you guys have done an amazing um, covered vanilla and how, what an incredible flavor it is. Uh, and then you can you know add anything you want on top of that, but just vanilla ice cream is such a perfect, vanilla gelato is such a perfect thing. And you basically uh, ice salt in a big bowl, little bowl inside, add the ingredients, stir it up, or you can use a, a, a little hand blender to give it a little more air, get a little more mouthfeel, put it in the freezer, take it back out, do it again and again and again. It's a little labor intensive, but in the end result is just this delicious uh, gelato you can make at home um, anytime with a minimum amount of, uh, of equipment, but a little bit of effort. You pay for it in effort. I love and we'll it. put that recipe up. We will get it on the website. Also, that's a great tip if you're trying to uh, refrigerate or cool down your uh, champagne or white wine, put ice and a handful of salt, just like you said, it makes it colder. Okay, I'm gonna do a scropino, which originated in Venice and it's like this uh, boozy slushy. It's a combination of lemon sorbet or gelato, in this case, uh, vodka and Prosecco. It's mm. kind of common in Italy as a palate cleanser, maybe a dessert. Um, it, it's also good as an after dinner drink and not just a dessert because it does help with digestion. It is one of those digestives. In fact, uh, the word scropino comes from the verb scropare, which means to untie a small knot. So the knot would be in your stomach after a big meal. Um, they kind of have something similar in France that they call uh, a, a coupe kernel. I, I don't know how you would say it, you know, kernel, like Colonel Mustard, C-O-L-O-N-A-L. A coupe colonel, coupe colonel, forget it, forget the French, which is just uh, <laughs> lemon sorbet and vodka together. Um, so you're going to take the lemon gelato, a couple scoops of that. You're going to add in a shot of vodka, put in a bit of uh, Prosecco and you're going to mix it up to kind of make it frothy and creamy. And then you're going to slowly add more Prosecco in. Some people will actually whisk it, which I don't really like to do because I don't want to lose all of the bubbles in the Prosecco and I'm, you're going to beat those out. But it should still be kind of creamy and smooth and it's great in the, in the summer. So it's a uh, some just do the scoop directly into the champagne, but I think that's difficult to sip. You need a whole straw and kind of spoon situation. It's like a root beer float. It's a difficult, is it a food? Is it a drink? Exactly. Exactly. Root beer delicious. float like that. Mm. Well, you can, you can mix it up too. If you were using say mango gelato and uh, shiso leaves and sake. So it's a couple different ways you could do like a basil gelato, you know, a lot of different things you could do that would just be super delicious with that. So that's your scropino. Scropino. So if you'd like to see any of these recipes, go to our website, budidigestpodcast.com. You will find them there, as well as links to Hans's line of spices. You can download my cocktail book there or order, uh, order some hard copies. Um, if you would like to email us and tell us what we did wrong, feel free. We're not going to read it anyway. It's budidigestpodcast at gmail.com. Twitter and Facebook are budidigestpod. Our Instagram is budidigestpodcast podcast. We have special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico, special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. And we especially want to thank our gelato pal, Michael Thomas, for coming in and helping us out today. Uh, it was such a treat. Uh, Y'all are so fabulous, and I'm such a big fan of yours. And to be on here and to participate in this, I think, is, is exactly what I love about food. 
y'all are covering such magnificent takes on something everybody takes for granted and really making some fun and silly and smart and sexy and bubbly. Oh. Oh, well, um, I'm, making, I'm making the sexy. That's oh, you're me. bringing the sexy. Steve. There's no I, Hans Rufert. I'm bringing the sherb. Oh, Hans. Hans bringing the sherb. All the sherb. All the and sherb. with that, are we done here? <laughs> I think we need to be done. We can talk all day long. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Go. kids.